Let's take a ride into the minds of the faces on the train. Perceptions, influences, differences, similitudes. One interactive moment at a time. So my friend who's a nurse calls me on break. She's working ER. I know she's mad by the sound of her voice. There's this really swole guy she knows from her gym. So she's telling me he looked good. Okay, he has a skull laceration. There's some blood drying on the side of his head. One eye is yellow, green, purple, blue, and swollen shut. And he says he needs a psychiatric intake evaluation, just like that. His name is Nathan. He's dodging homicide. Faces on the train. Rachel, the drunken wife. Drunk love is so demanding. There is no easy way out, no way to get it right. Nathan is suspended between passion and punishment with the woman he loves. A tall, well-structured beauty with a queen's wild crown of hair. His Rachel is strong-willed and prideful. She drinks relentlessly. Against the tides of systemic oppression, liquor is her weapon of choice, her sedative, and her stance of resistance. It gives her the courage to hate all things toxic except the ugly destruction of self. Nathan's face is assigned the image of all things frightful in humans. Each breath for Rachel is an argument. Everything he is, is everything wrong. The man Nathan knows himself to be would have struck her in a moment of defensive despair one of these many years past. There is no silence with Rachel. Every moment is a world war against injustices big and small, mostly assigned to him as transgressions of commission or omission. There's a cadence to the madness of harbored pain that criminalizes everyone else's existence. This woman is married to the frozen chambers of her heart, and her heart is suspended in disease. But if this specific demon could be lifted from the earth, this back-riding addiction monkey, Rachel would be the threshold of heaven's garden. This is the other side of her. This bright woman he met 23 years ago, before she took her first drink. A beautiful, sultry, seductive, intelligent drunkenness has arrested his sensibilities and made him a slave in pursuit of unattainable solutions. Her disappointment rains down on them and Nathan swiftly shifts it into sugarcane. He spins a world of cotton candy. She plucks at the wisps with her elegant fingers and dissolves it like communion wafers on her bitter tongue. Nathan has chosen her, so is not himself to be a project. He is safe here because they will never get around to his shortfalls. He has an endeavor of a woman, an occupation. He will be busy with her madness until the end of time. His issues have disappeared as a lesser infraction. Nathan definitely chose Rachel. It is the perfect oppression. His competitive nature can spar in perpetual mental homeostasis. She has a perfect body and he a perfect mind. Nathan can circumvent her combative nature and stay busy and dizzy denying his dark, ill-mannered temper. With everyone she comes across, Rachel finds the line, the secret place her subject vows preemptively closed to compromise. This is where she leans, throwing blows until something ruptures. As the waves bring his walls crashing down, she rejoices she can share the world the way she knows it. To break him is to love, for her misery indeed seeks company. Today, Rachel says casually over breakfast that she wants to be sober and she's thought about it for some time. His instinct is to embrace her, but his body will not move. Under the table, Nathan's feet arch to launch him forward, but the surge stops in his powerful thighs. No, 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 do not rush to those embryotic intentions, he tells himself. Nathan's voice is an internal cautioning thunder. The temptation is an overwhelming excitement. In the daydream, when she says this, 
he is making blueberry pancakes. They have made love all night. It is a sober love, full of tears and honest talk, bringing him back to life again and again. He has left her angel face ravaged and resting on the pillow. He's watching her ribs swell and sink rhythmically. She, the children, and Nathan, over breakfast, lick their fingers tasting maple and laughing. She looks at him across the table, and her face is aged and drawn. She pulls on her cigarette like the gravedigger's spade, vacuuming hard-packed sand from a block of dry earth. Who is she, Sober? Maybe there's something he has done to inspire the spoken contemplation. Maybe his prayers and consistency. Maybe it has nothing to do with him at all. He reviews his thoughts, his actions, speech, and very breath of late. How many searing demons will scorch his effort between now and the last drop? Or does the drinking water her kindness to keep it alive? He's listening, but he's not making blueberry pancakes today. Not today. Faces on the train. Her name was Rachel. When I fall out of poetry, I write. One feeling at a time, line by line, till poetry comes home. And I don't ask any questions. No questions at all about the absence or how were we supposed to support social justice? You in the streets and this last little bit of change left in the account? I just know my poetry loves me. Even being mean, smoking up the images we've saved, or drinking my rhythm. Drinking my rhythm. Out of Poetry We can train ourselves to respect our feelings and transform them into language so they can be shared. Audre Lorde, Sister Outsider. Faces on the Train is written, narrated, and produced by Felicia Chappelle with creative director Will Walker. Audio engineering and production assistants, Mary Evans. Music composition, Umbikeli G. Scott Jones. Content editor, Connor Jameson. Special thanks to Bomani Moyenda and Khalil John. Graphics, Miss Hanifa Jones. Email us at info at womenworkwonders.com or follow us on Instagram at womenworkwonders. Thank you to our entire production team and thank you very much to our listeners. Catch the next episode of Faces on the Train.